Welcome into the Hump Day episode, the best bet show, Fuel 68's finest program, among other great programs, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Uh, this show is sponsored also by AirPods because they stink. So I am Goober Central rolling in with the uh, the bulky headphones today. But hey, air, uh, audio quality is strong coming through the airwaves. Mr. McKeon, Mr. Root, some games happened last night. We have more tonight, even more tomorrow. We did learn a thing or two. Um, yesterday kai we'll talk about the tom brady thing at the end of the show so stay tuned everyone's just giddy for our takes on that that too oh that's actually even bigger jim that's the uh who who, she signed with who the the liberty liberty yeah how about Um, and and michael in the chat how about the fed's decision to raise interest rates just 0.25 percent that's great news for i think we just kind of take this show completely off the college basketball tracks and just kind of run the gamut of, of all their topics in all seriousness kai you learned something last night just tell us what it was uh, solid, yeah solid day for home teams matt uh on the whole bc took down clemson in the acc wow the tigers no longer a juggernaut there tcu holds on sans mike miles against west virginia nevada rallies in the second half to beat san diego state as well as kai's wallet and then fordham destroys slew in the second half after getting down five in the first Home teams. I think they were like 16 and 13 against the spread, but those ones stood out to me, Jim. Davidson covered that Foster Lawyer. Weird. Sorry. That is weird. Now that's weird. It's funny because part of the handicap was we want Foster Lawyer in there to turn the ball over. I know. And Mm -hmm. he wasn't there. So it was like a weird, almost anti helpful injury, which is, of course, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. TCU without Miles, I thought was really important. I mean, maybe that means even more to West Virginia. You have to take advantage of that opportunity. It, like a surefire Q1, Q1A win yeah. without their best player, Oof. and you can't do it. That's a problem. Uh, and then also, angry Alabama. Oh, boy. One by 57 against Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, 1.44 points per possession to 0.63 for Vandy. Uh, Kai, I think people are going to pay attention to the three-point shooting, but Alabama shot 85% inside the arc, 17 for 20. Like, it was a complete demolition, Matt. Not even fair. I think we can forget about a little bit the Oklahoma effort over the weekend and so just say Bama's awesome. They're really good. No, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, I, I think people sometimes look too much at the three-point shooting splits, but I think the uh, how easily you can score inside the arc can get easy baskets to supplement. And yeah, Vandy absolutely did. Like it wasn't one by 57. If Alabama shoots terribly from three, Mandy shoots awesome. They still win by 25. So uh, it's a nice team. Um, are they better than Tennessee? No. We'll find out tonight. Perhaps we'll talk Tennessee, <laughs> Florida. Not yet. First, Kai, Providence, Ed Xavier, the X-Men hosting the Friars. We've beat the Ed Cooley as an underdog drum heavily on this program. Uh, we've also talked about how good Xavier is at home. However, their recent home um, performances, I mean, they've gotten a lot of good wins at home. It's really good teams. They haven't covered emphatically, though, right? So it's a similar type of um, of spread spot here, as we saw with Marquette. Short home favorites. Zach Fremantle not playing tonight. The question is, do you care? Because the market doesn't. Sitting at four right now, market has not reacted to that news at all. Well, they did react the opposite way. The market thought like me that it was was minus two on the opener. Um, I thought about taking Xavier at two. I thought it was kind of short. Yeah, despite no Fremantle, he's great. He's arguably been their best player. Certainly the highest usage player on offense, but Jerome Hunter's having an awesome year off the bench. I think he can fill in pretty nicely for them. They still have Nunji up front. A terrific guard threesome still, but Cooley as a four-point dog, Jim, that's pretty tempting. Like Matt said, we've talked about his record as an underdog, and they certainly have a bigger glass advantage now without Fremantle in the game. If Nungy's in foul trouble, that's bad news. Shooting splits, what gives here? Xavier, number one in the conference in three-point percentage. Providence, number one in three-point percentage defense. Something's got to give. I think four is the right line at the end of the day at Bet Rivers. I stayed away. 
Yeah, I kind of thought, oh, Fremantle out, this should come down a bunch. But his on-off impact is not that big. They're like mm. four points better per 100 when he's out there. Like they're elite when he's out there and just like barely sub-elite without him because I think how good Hunter has been, Kai. The concern becomes maybe longer term, their depth. Like they really don't yep. play much in the front court beyond Nunji, Hunter, uh, and Fremantle. So maybe we're going to see more Deontay Miles. I think you're going to need him to actually give a few minutes, more small ball with Colby Jones. Uh, we'll see. And then, Matt, just to hammer the point home, Cooley as a dog, uh, as a road dog, 91 and 60 as a road dog in his career. Good. Just like an immediate Pretty 60% good. angle. It matters, I-, I think, just the way he gets them hyped for these situations. There was the one where they were on the road at Creighton. That was a great Creighton spot. And I think Providence snuck inside, covered by one. That's all you need if you're aiming for a win here. So I, I kind of still lean towards Providence here, Matt. Hmm. Um, even without Fremantle, it does feel a tad low, but I'm kind of tilting a little bit towards the Friars. Yeah, I was just kind of shocked that I, I wanted to bet Xavier uh, minus three against Marquette, a game that I think was basically, I think landed three, basically had a push, right? So then now you're laying effectively the same price, you know, a point more against Providence. I mean, I think Marquette's better than Providence, right? I mean, Marquette was, was, was getting like eight to Providence. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a little bit of a transitive property there, which can, can be a fallacy in handicapping, but I do like to look at that sometimes. I think that alone kind of made me zero on Xavier. And Jim, you mentioned the Fremantle on off splits. And as a IU alumnus, I, um, it's hard for me to watch Jerome Hunter ascend to such an awesome prototypical role player off the bench. And he's perfect. Uh, and he'll be useful against Bryce Hopkins tonight for sure. So I got, I think he's actually, he was going to play a lot in this game anyway because of the matchup. And I think now he just, you know, there's, it's by default he'll get those minutes. Uh, I like the X Men, almost my best bet, hot take, but um, ended up going a different direction. We'll share later. Kai, we're going to SEC country for game number two. As we teased on the opener, the Gators in Gainesville down in the swamp hosting Tennessee, who is up to number one in Ken Palm's overall rankings. Uh, one of the rare multi-point discrepancies you see in the opening markets and Kempom's model, it's up to eight. I'm sorry, Kempom had it eight points in his model. Yep. It opened six, I believe, um, down to five and a half. Down to five. I love Florida. Who likes Florida more than me is my question. I don't even like this spread at five with Florida. I don't either. I like Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> the Gators are tremendous defensively, but they don't have great wins, man. They now have two top 50 wins in Kempom, thanks to Mizzou and Mississippi State creeping in there, but that's it. Their, their next highest win is number 102, Georgia. They're one in seven against the spread against their other eight top 50 foes. This team just doesn't play up to really good competition. It's because they can't score as good as Florida's defense is. It's not comparable to Tennessee's. How are the Gators going to score in this game? Castleton. Good luck. I don't think it's going to happen. He's too soft. No offense to Castleton in the Ooh. Florida program down there. He is. He's way softer than Tennessee's front court. Tennessee's going to manhandle them in the glass. They're strong. They're physical. They're grown men. The guard play, they're more talented. Uh, five is too short. I'm surprised, Jim. It's way too short. I'm sorry. I, I was shocked by this number. I can't believe it's down there. Uh, Florida's projected to score point at eight, seven points per possession on Ken Palm's site. I don't think they do that. I have yep. no idea how they score here. Kai, to kind of hammer home your um, bad against good teams, if you filter Bart Torvik for top 100 opponents, Florida's 111th, 2-9. and nine. Like they, they have no prayer of, of standing up against these teams. They haven't done it all season. Uh, look what happened when UConn came to town. That's kind of the caliber of what Tennessee is right now. I Five is just too short, man. I'm, I'm very close to betting the Vols, Matt. I haven't done it yet. Maybe it even ticks down to four and a half and I hop in, but um, I I just can't get behind this Gators team at this line. I got a feeling there's some folks out there who bet big 
at later points in the day with bigger limits that are going to bet Tennessee. I, I just don't understand anyone else out there who's going to bet Florida at this point. Like I actually had Florida circled on the spot and I can't get to five. That's just like the bookmakers like we love the spot so much that we're going to shade an extra point and a half. Um, again, I just don't understand it. And I love the Gators. So uh, next up, Jim Bedlam part two boomer sooner hosting the pokes. Uh, it was a loser for myself in this first one. I rode with the road team. Oklahoma, who looked really good to start, and they melted late. Now they come back home off of a monumental win against Alabama, beating a juggernaut by a million points. Um, feels like the ultimate letdown spot, but I guess the rivalry angle negates that, plus the revenge angle. A lot of dynamics here. What do you make of all? What do you make of all of it? Um, I like the home team a little bit more. Uh, I think Oklahoma's been really solid at home. They've lost a bunch of close games. Uh, but then to have that performance against Alabama, I think every te- everything kind of synchronized up for that. I like the revenge angle a little bit here. We saw that matter. KU yesterday was able to just barely get away from K-State and cover that game. Uh, Oklahoma is the one in five against the spread, last six against Oklahoma State. Not all of those are Porter Moser, so take that sample as small grain of salt. Probably doesn't matter that much. Uh, I just I like Oklahoma here, Kai. Relatively short spread. They're not really built to blow teams out the way they did to Alabama. I think that was mm-hmm. sort of an aberration. Alabama did not get off the bus, uh, but I, I still, it just kind of feels more like the Sooners game, given uh, the fact that they lost the first meeting, big rivalry. I feel like it's probably going to flip. Yeah. Bedlam baby game one. Okay. State made it look easy. Uh, OU scored 0.8 points per possession four for 15 from three ugly, ugly game. Okay. State probably shot above its head a bit. 41% from deep. This is going to be an ugly game. It's low scoring. Both teams are more defensive oriented. No question, Matt. OK State is more elite on that end. OU really relies on cutting. They rely on getting inside to score. And that's very hard to do against Oklahoma State. This game has huge tournament implications. Both teams pretty much on the bubble. Um, uh, you know, you maybe lean the home team in that situation, especially in a rivalry game. But I do like the matchup slightly better for Oklahoma State. I just think they match up better with Oklahoma. Uh, I agree. Uh with all of those takes, I have nothing else to add. I'm just still burned by my OU annoyance uh, in that first game. So nothing for me in this one. Moving right along, headed to Big Ten country, Jim. Purdue hosting Penn State. Uh, the number one team in the country continues to impress. A huge lead in the Big Ten standings. They are showing no signs of slowing down or any sort of regression. Penn State can be a tricky matchup for some of these Big Ten teams, but they also... Uh, I mean, that can be a double-edged sword uh, because they have no size up front. They can be punished by the big boys of the Big Ten. Is that what happens tonight with the biggest of the big boys in Zach E? Yeah, they're going to have to double like crazy, and I don't anticipate that working. Purdue usually shoots the ball quite well at home. In front of Mackey, you're going to build up some heavy momentum there. Uh, first game, Purdue shot 60% inside the arc. Edie was 14 of 21. <laughs> Out-rebounded Penn State 36 to 25. Like Kai, I see no reason that any of that paint dominance doesn't continue here. Yeah. The only way Penn State sticks is if they hit like 14 threes. Mm-hmm. And I just have a hard time seeing them do that. Um, Edie's not a great defender against somebody that shoots like this because you can put him in ball screens and you force help and suddenly there's moving parts defensively, but Penn State only took 22 threes in the first meeting. I think that's kind of a testament to how Purdue took away the arc. Uh, They know that's the route for Penn State competing here. So between the paint dominance and likely a very good painter game plan, uh, I got to lean towards Purdue in this one, Kai. Yeah, Purdue control game one, 80, 30, and 13. 
you're just not going to stop him. And, and Purdue scores so easily against Penn State because they can't guard Edie. If they double him, they have shooters, man. They have shooters everywhere. 44% from three in that first game, and they grabbed 40% of their misses. So if you're shooting that well from three and you're also getting almost every single rebound, you're not going to be stopped. Like Jim said, and like the chat is saying, yeah, three is more than two. Penn State has to shoot in order to stay in this game. They certainly can. Also, Jalen Pickett had a pretty good game against Purdue in, the, in game one, 26, nine and eight. Almost had a triple double. He's a lot stronger than than Purdue's guards. Even Morton, you know, I, they might throw Morton on him, but Pickett's way stronger. He, he can eat anybody inside. Um, enormous game for Penn State for the tournament. I just can't see them getting it done in Mackey. And, you know, double digits, Matt, 10 points. I might lean their way on the line, but I stayed away. Yeah, I mean, just look at Penn State's losses in conference. I know they did beat Michigan. I know they did beat Indiana. Both those were at home. Part one of that is they have kind of the Maryland-esque uh, home road splits in league play. Um, and then and losses to Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin, Rutgers, uh, all against legit bigs who went off against them. Wisconsin, Crawl, and Wall ate them alive inside. So uh, if Purdue can reemphasize that, I think that's... I think over is where I ultimately land on this game. I think it's a highly efficient game. I think efficiency pushes us over. And as we've learned, overs are basically printing money at this point in, uh, in the season. So, well, One last uh, shocking thing. What would you yeah. guys guess Purdue's ATS record is at home this year? I don't think it's as good as uh, yeah. you think. Yeah, the spreads have been big, man. Big numbers they've been laying. <laughs> Three, seven, and one per team. Yeah, it's okay. not, well, not good. It's, interesting. It's, maybe it's high, a little inflated. We'll see. Yeah, I kind of agree. I Tough to say. Don't want to fade Zach Eady. Uh It's time for Chat Mob. Part one, Czar, lead us. I got it. From Pat, we got George Washington and LaSalle. George Washington's George lane two Washington. on the road against Matt, the worst team in the A-10 per Kempom, LaSalle. Uh, I like George Washington. Uh, market agrees. Been bet up to two. Um, I Sorry, I need to be saying the lines here when I intro these games. It's my fault. Hold me accountable, chat. Oh, I said the line, you. so it's all right. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself around the first part. I like G-Dub. That's my short take. I, I like G-Dub here. Chris Caputo. Jim in the America East, New Hampshire is on the road against NJIT. New Hampshire's land too. Hey, they've been pretty darn tough in this conference. Do you like them tonight? I just, I still am somewhat hesitant to believe in them because um, I, I didn't love the roster preseason, but Harry is making a believer out of me. NJIT has been really bad. This feels kind of similar to the game we just discussed, the LaSalle game, where it's just a better team on the road against a year one coach, or excuse me, NJIT is not year one coach, but team that hasn't really figured it out with a new roster. So I, I, w- I would stick with New Hampshire there. From Pat and now Cody, Rhode Island at St. Joe's. Matthew, another A-10 battle here. The Rams, not great away from home. They're plus four and a half against a pretty hot St. Joe's team. Your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of like this St. Joe's team, and that's something I've literally never said uh, during the Billy Lang era there. They're starting to, to get it together here. Their talent's real. Um, and it's certainly, I think, undervalued from a 200th, 191st ranking in Kempom perspective. So I do like the Hawks. From math, uh, Tarleton UTA, unfortunately, has been postponed due to the, the crazy weather down in Texas. Oh, yeah. a little bit of ice got on the street. Oh, no. Okay. Southern Illinois, Jim, at Bradley is the game you get. Uh, the Salukis, six point dogs on the road against Bradley. Yeah. The, the, the way I do totals pointed towards the over, and I said, uh-uh, no, thank you. Uh, this is going to, it feels like a, a brawl. I believe the first time they played was that ugly. Uh, no, excuse me. This is the first time they played this year. But two really uh, heavy defensive-centric squads, a lot of versatile defenders on both sides. 
I just I feel like it's kind of a valley game that gets drawn down into the muck. Makes me lean towards the dog, but not strongly. Bradley's been really good at home. Kai, you've kind of harped on that uh, repeatedly this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to fade them. I lean towards the under. Matthew in the Big South, Longwood is laying three on the road against Winthrop. Your thoughts? Mm, I'm always torn on these long Longwood Winthrop matchups. I think the first match was the line was way too big. Um, I kind of like Longwood, though. Shorter price here on the road, and I still don't like this Winthrop team. Jim mentioned it. It's not Pat Kelsey's Winthrop anymore. Yeah, they're playing slow. They're just not good. Yeah, they're they're not that good. Jim, from Renzo, Army, Lehigh. Two Patriot teams have been playing pretty well this year. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'd probably stick more with Lehigh right now, and it's it's loath for me to recommend against the troops of any minus nature. Two. Yep. But, minus two, yep, minus two. Yeah, Lehigh, slight home favorite there. I've just been really impressed with them with Sinclair back, kind of giving them that point guard element. Allows Higgins to play off the ball, allows uh, Evan Taylor to be more of a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, I, I, a healthier version of Lehigh with Perilin and Tan back in the paint, too. I, I would lean towards the Mountain Hawks. Matthew, a lot of discussion in the chat about Florida State and NC State. It's a 10-point spread. NC State's certainly been very good this year, but is it too much against FSU? It does feel high. I don't know why I haven't bet this yet. Like You just go back to Florida State's last six games. Um, they really have done... The only blowout was the Miami game, and they were 3 of 24 from 3, and Miami was 13 of 26. Like Miami's really good shooting teams. I don't want to say that was an anomaly, but Florida State... Um, they're a better shooting team than that. And Darren Green was ice cold in that game, and he's actually a good shooter. Bob and Miller coming off his best game. I think the Knolls are just better than the 150th best team in the country, which seems to be aligning with the market pricing. I like the Knolls. I'm probably yeah, a sheep, but I like the Knolls. Knolls, like they, their big thing is forcing ISO, and it's like hard to imagine a better ISO backcourt than NC State. Like Turk Smith, Jarkov Joyner, those guys can score 1v1, but it does feel too high to me. Jim, uh, OG Souls in the chat is asking about Mizzou. First half against LSU. Full game spreads 10. First half spreads like five, five and a half. I kind of like it. I, I think Mizzou needs to blow out some of these inferior teams to juice up their uh, analytical rankings, the quality stuff for uh, bracket purposes. That's what's kind of dragging them down right now. Yeah. Their quad wins and stuff is, is great. It's an ideal resume, but need to get up out of like the high 40s, low 50s for some of that stuff. And LSU is dismal then mostly dismal oh. on the road uh lean towards mizzou yeah hell she's bad uh holy cross and boston from ryan a i lean towards holy cross came down came down a little bit seven and a half boston's not really blowing anybody out this year holy cross has been keeping these games really close and in conference play these teams have been basically even lean towards the cross there Hard another one from ryan a for the patriot league i'll go to jim he's more in tune with the patriot thank you Matt. please no do. i appreciate it Navy at Lafayette, Navy laying minus, or excuse me, laying one and a half points on the road. Yeah, Lafayette's been like the one team in this league I just really whiffed on. I thought they were going to be the worst of the 10, and they are highly competitive. Mike Jordan has been coached by the GOAT. Fantastic in his first year. I mean, they're like starting a walk on. Ryan Zambi is playing. Well, I guess he's not playing really as much anymore, but they were playing a walk on for a lot of times and still super competitive. That said, I think Navy's better. It's just really, really short line. Um, Lean towards the water troops on the road. I need to. Uh, finally, from Ken, before we go back to the rundown here, Northern Iowa and Drake. I'll tell you what, I was waiting on Tucker DeVries news to to come out to bet on Northern Iowa because I wanted to bet the Panthers. It's come down already to seven and a half. Can't recommend it now. He practiced last game. He was out last game because of an illness. Uh, kept him out. Apparently, he was on the practice floor. I tend to assume he's back. Uh, this line has felt, felt high at first. Seven and a half seems more right to me. 
I agree. I, maybe it comes down to seven. I might bet Drake here. I know it's a big in-state rivalry there. I just think Drake's the categorically better team, but I've probably been undervaluing you and I all season. So it could be a, a, a me th- issue with that team. I think these games are historically quite close. Pretty close. Yeah. Yes. I think I buy so. that. Don't quote me on Strong that. Strong program to coaches. I think that sounds right to me. All right. I got more holster here, but let's go back down to the rundown. I'm going to hockey pass this back to Jim for a West Coast showdown here. Utah State uh, hosting New Mexico. Um, hold on here. This game is... Yeah, give me a spread, Matthew. Come no, it's on. at Utah State. I apologize. So I, I, I thought State? I flipped this on the outline. It is, in fact, at the spectrum, Jimbo. Uh, minus four. Market basically implying these two teams are equals. I think Mexico is the better team, but Utah State at home is a different team. What gives? Yeah, I think I'm, I would personally give more than four points for home here, so it would slightly imply that New Mexico's better. Uh, no Ryland Jones takes away another creator for Utah State. I think he's still dealing with his concussion related issues not good i uh, hope he gets well soon i just don't think utah state deals well with high level athleticism uh, it's a team that can execute you to death with their fantastic precision offensively and can invert the floor but alec and udeze can kind of defend on the perimeter i don't think taylor funk stepping out to the three-point line is gonna blow their minds and the quickness off the bounce for new mexico is is really going to give utah state's backcourt problem so I, I think New Mexico keeps that one close at minimum and potentially wins. Yeah, I do lean towards New Mexico at four and a half here. I have tons of respect for the Utah State home court, though. Very tough place to play, tough place to win. And Utah State needs this game to stay in the tourney picture. They need to pick up quality wins. They don't really have many. Um, but four and a half has gone a bit too far. New Mexico rocks. Their guards are awesome. Jim mentioned the athleticism edge. It's it's pretty big. Can Utah State handle the athletes? Their defense probably gets crushed. They just have to hope their shooting's on. And kind of like Penn State, Matt, they can shoot the crap out of the ball, and they can definitely stay in games with it. But the Lobos have guarded the free well this year, and again, this team is very, very talented. I lean them in four and a half. I'll bring up the three-point regression angle. Uh, Jordan Majeski had the deeper point on this angle, but uh, it's it's on the top of my mind as I just lost BC last night, a team that was uh, very much against the regression forces. New Mexico is in that same boat. You look at their interior defense in league play, it hasn't really been that good. Um, their three-point defense has kind of buoyed their overall defensive metrics. Utah State can score inside and out. Um, I think it's another game I like the over. Uh, pace, I don't really have a read on, but I think the efficiency uh, will get you High there. Total. It's a big number. 157 has been better from 155 and a half at the opener. I think 160 clears pretty easily. But um, again, I'm not good at total, so take that with a big fat salt shaker. And we move along. Next up on the outline, Kai, North Carolina hosting... Jeff Capel in the fighting pit Panthers. Ooh, man, sorry. I want to Jim, in one, one more stat from the, uh, the mountain West that I've discussed with a couple people, not in the weave, but every team in league play is at least five and five to the over it's like been a crazy over league, ridiculously efficient. Like Colorado state's nine and one Boise's eight and two. UNLV's eight and two. Nevada's eight and two. New Mexico, seven and two. Wyoming, seven and two. The worst over team is Fresno at five and five. So like that tells you how many. Over and, the, and they're an under team. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, yep. At least anecdotally in my mind. Sorry they are an under team. No, no, no. Yes, Great point. Um, but Kai, as I was saying, minus eight and a half is the number here at Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Gut screams pit. And I mentioned this on our show yesterday. We, I, I just think there's a chance pit looks to be the better backcourt in this matchup. I just love the guards, the way they're playing. Like they've completely reshuffled this team. And my guy, Federico, Federico, fun little inverted forward who can, uh, he's kind of a tough mismatch here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 
And it's, so I think the the catch is well, Baycock could go for forty and twenty. Inverted. He didn't shoot threes. He hadn't exactly. shot a three all year. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the uh, the, the twins. <laughs> Diaz, I'm sorry, Graham Diaz. The Diaz twins. Yeah, yeah. Hitter, yeah. So he's kind of the guy inside. He cannot stand up to Armando Armando Baycock. So I again, another one I like the over here, one forty seven. I like Pitt on the side uh, plus eight. What do you think? Yeah, Pitt won game one. UNC led by nine in the second half, but Pitt prevailed. I trust Pitt more, which is weird to say. Somehow they're the more disciplined team here. Uh, Baycott will absolutely eat Pitt inside. There's no question about it. Pitt does not have the girth to defend him. He had 22 and 13 in game one. But guess what? If it's close, it's not going to Baycott. It's going to Love and Davis, who will take over and take bad shots. And that's great for Pitt. Pitt got whatever it wanted inside the arc in game one. They shot 63% inside the arc. Burton at 31. They got to the line a lot. I think they can do it again. I think Pitt can stay with an eight here. I like them. Let me, let me tell you a tale, boys. Tell me a, a year tale. ago, a home loss for North Carolina, a home loss to Pitt in February is kind of what vaulted them on their big, long superstar streak all the way to the NCAA title game. Maybe they lose again out right here. I don't think they're destined for the same kind of arc this year. We'll just say that. I think that was kind of lightning in a bottle for one season. I definitely lean towards Pitt here as well. It's wild, Matt, to sort of trust road Pitt, exactly. but they've been yeah. solid already this year. Uh, one at NC State, one at Northwestern. That looks better and better. One at Syracuse. That's solid. Um, I, I think they hang around. I think this number's too big. UNC has not shown a great propensity to be dominant this year. Yeah. Pit eight, eight I mean, and three against the spread in, in the ACC this year. Second best ACC record. Um, yeah, I just, I don't like this UNC team. I thought I did, but I don't. Um, let's continue. We are heading geographically, I guess, just north, due north. Kai, uh, Biggie showdown here. St. John's versus Seton Hall. I like the road team. That's my teaser here. I like the Pirates. It's a Pirates life for me. Uh, I think some initial money came in on St. John's, but now it's up to Seton Hall minus one. So basically hovering around pick. It has been most of the day. Um, I have some injury question marks. Uh, pretty pretty real there for the Pirates. I still think they're the better team. I don't like the St. John's squad whatsoever. Oh, Kai, oh, sorry. I didn't clarify excuse, you. Excuse me. Yes. You. That's my uh, Seton Hall for me. Yep. Especially if Posh Alexander's out again. Don't know his status. Uh, he's missed the last couple of games. They needed a buzzer beater, St. John's, to beat Georgetown last game. Seton Hall is much better than Georgetown. They won game one by 22 points with Posh in the lineup. They scored at will. They got to the line to handle the ball. The Giants were ice cold for sure, but, but Hall's defense bothered them. They're more physical. They're not phased by St. John's athletes. They're going to shoot a ton of free throws without Posh. That pressure, not nearly as scary, man. Um, he, he's a, ma- a massive presence for them. Now, Joel Soriano had a huge game for St. John's in game one. I have to think Seton Hall is better prepared for him. I like Seton Hall here, minus one, Jim, or pick. Um, they're just a better team right now. Yep, I agree. I definitely lean towards Seton Hall. Uh, I think that the cold St. John shooting is partially because Holloway has a pretty good defensive plan, forces the ball into the hands of bad shooters. St. John's largely not a great shooting team. I do love AJ Store, the freshman. I think he's going to be like a star in the Big East. Like by the time he's a junior, like first team all conference caliber guy. But unfortunately, he's not quite there yet. Seton Hall is coming off a beatdown of Butler. I have this weird inkling that teams that just played lazy Butler are going to be like, oh, the team we're playing now is playing defense and it's going to take a little <laughs> bit of time. So I wouldn't bet Seton Hall first half. Uh, I think it might just take him a little bit to get going. The same and same thing happened to Providence after they blew out Butler. It took him a, a half against Villanova to get going. So I, I would definitely lean towards Seton Hall here. Have not bet it yet, but it's like a, a team I trust way little, which is St. John's against a team I trust kind of in Seton Hall. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and seeing how getting healthier, uh, I was just, I thought Dre Davis got hurt last game. I was trying to find the news on that. I guess that was a mirage or that was old news. So I, I think he's really important. He's like one of the more important six men in the country of a mismatch nightmare. I think he can have a monster game here if he's in there. Um, but yeah, Jim, I haven't bet that yet. I, I'm waiting to get the posh official news. We stay in Biggie's country for our final game before we go to chat mob round to Kai Marquette, the blazing white hot Marquette Golden Eagles, who are um, continuing to defy expectations. They're hosting Villanova, Villanova team with Justin Moore back in the mix. And oh, is he important? You mentioned in our group chat the discrepancy between the Ken Palm projection and the actual line. Uh, tell us what you make of that stark difference. There is more to it than I originally thought. So Ken Palm's line is 12. The current line in the market is six. Now, Justin Moore is not worth six points, but Cam Jones is questionable as well for Marquette. He's worth a couple points, maybe a point. Sean Jones, their backup freshman guard, he's also questionable. Probably not worth anything, but if both of them are out, you, you might think about it a little bit more. I still think it's way short. Uh, uh, Villanova did lead most of the way in game one. They did add more, obviously. He didn't play very well, but a little rusty, but still very important. I just think Marquette's too good, man. Nova can't stop them. This is on Marquette's home floor. The Eagles are going to score easily even without Cam Jones, in my opinion. Their pressure is too good, even against Nova, uh, who has been a little bit more uh, uh, loose with the ball in Big East play. And that home court's great. I, I lean towards Marquette at minus six, even with the in- injury questions. Yeah, I lean that way too. Shock is 3-0 against the spread and straight up against Villanova in his time at Marquette. I think the athleticism really bothers the like disciplined approach. Um, they took care of business on the road or or were able to, I guess, sneak one at Finner and Pavilion to take uh, take out Nova. Joplin had a huge game over the weekend, which I think indicates the possibility he could do the same if Cam Jones is out. Jones is really valuable, but I think the two most important Marquette players are Kolek and Igadaro. Mm-hmm. I know they're not scoring as much as Jones, but they're more important to the way they play. Um, so as long as those two, those two are in there, Matt, uh, more still getting back into the flow off that Achilles, I lean towards Marquette as well. Yeah, and more helps with ball handling, obviously. I mean, I, I can't believe uh, Marquette turned over Seton Hall like 27 times. Like We, we keep forgetting Marquette's revelation this year has been offensive-driven, but they still can turn you over and wreak havoc. They still have that that element of the old vintage Shaka DNA on defense too. That's what makes them so potent. Um, but yeah, I think Cam Jones is super important or counterpoint guy. No one matters and he's not important. So yeah, he, he didn't take play like any of the second half against DePaul and they scored 56 points. Like the <laughs> so, offense is going to score. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Chet, Mob, round two starts now. All right, Matthew asks about Wofford and East Tennessee State. I'm going to Jim on this one. Uh, Wofford, I believe. Well, I lost the spread. Uh, minus Wofford three. Is minus three on the road at yeah. at East Tennessee State. Still probably some yeah. injuries there for ETSU. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with East ETSU. Is it's two straight years where they've like, all right, let's play nine guys and kind of get up and down, and then they lose two or three of them and are down to this mini rotation and can barely run. I still lean towards ETSU. I don't think Wofford is like this totally solved team with their coaching. I don't know. They got an interim coach right now. Uh, so I lean towards ETSU, Matt, but it's hard to bet them when there's the injury questions that they have. Yeah. No Josh Taylor, no Tipler. I don't, I don't want any party ETSU right now. They somehow beat Chattanooga without those guys. I know Chattanooga yeah, have Stevens. Jake Stevens. I, I understand. Jake Stevens is the only player Still. in the country who matters. The only player who matters. <laughs> That's my take. They just won against some injuries are tough to, to determine. They don't matter. Uh, Radford Presbyterian. 
Uh, Eileen Radford, I'm not sure we're going to get any more profound takes in that game. From these guys under, uh, I, yeah, under, under yeah. 126. Not a game that was on my radar, be honest. Matthew from Paris, UMass and George Mason. George Mason minus six and a half. Interesting spread. Yeah, think? big, big money. Uh, I believe it's related to Matt Cross, Kai. I might add him to my list of players who actually matter. So that list is now up to two names. I think nah. he's questionable today or for sure out. Is that correct? Yeah, it um, doesn't matter. They're covered without him. They have? I can't think he's awesome. Every time I watch him, it's like he's the only guy I trust that can do stuff. Um, and they yeah, think a little bit of size. Him at all. He's a lunatic. He's, um, a, he's probably their best player, but they they play 11 they are guys. Deep. They are deep. Um, does Oduro go nuts inside? That's my thing here for Mason. I, I kind of like, I agree with the money. It's oh, not oh. It's too high to lay it now, but I do think there's an edge uh, up front there. Depends how the refs are calling it. If they let Wild- Wildens Levesque defend and foul, then yes, they can handle yeah. it. Jim. I'll take Frank Martin with a touchdown against Kim English. Yeah, there you go. That's that's probably the handicap right there. That's a that's a better handicap. Jim from Cody, SMU at Tulane. Tulane minus eight and a half at home. Yeah, this is another number said under, and I said no thank you, because Tulane has been like ludicrous offensively and they give up 1.2 points per possession every game. Um SMU coming off uh, an actually kind of impressive performance. Uh but man, I, I don't I don't have much take on the side here. Uh it just feels like points bonanza and because I'm numbers point towards under, I won't bet the over, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Tulane under is not a profitable thing, I don't think. Matthew, SoCon, Samford on the road at Western Carolina. Samford laying in four and a half. Your thoughts? Western Carolina taking money. Um, I know they've been better, and I just don't think they're – I think Samford's the better team. I don't think it's worth uh, – I guess I just don't agree with the market here. I, I would lay it with Samford at the cheaper price at four. Jim, you get another SoCon matchup. We just talked about Chattanooga briefly. They are at Furman. Big spread. No Stevens. Ten and a half points in favor of Furman. Yeah, I guess it's fairly reflective of him being out. Um, Furman did. Uh, they got the the huge win over the weekend against UNC Greensboro. Revenge on the road. Uh, that basically got them back up to the top of the league. They were chasing Greensboro until that point. I see a little letdown against a team they view as shorthanded and, and not totally there. Dan Earl's a really good coach. Ten feels like too many to me. Too many towards the mocks. Matthew, you get Minnesota going to the rack. Fifteen point dogs. Woo! It's big spread. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I like I like backing my Gophers as a big dog. I don't like backing them when they're shorthanded, which I guess has been most of the time this season, honestly. But uh, and certainly not against Rutgers, who's been quietly like the best big favorite in the country this season. So, um, yeah, it's Rutgers or pass for me in this situation. Ooh, good reminder in the chat to hit the like button. Please, please hit the like button. It really helps us out. Appreciate it. A lot of people watching. Thank you. Uh, Jim, a lot of questions about Abilene Christian going to Seattle. Uh, They do have injury concerns. Emmanuel Allen, I have no idea if he's in or out today, but they are seven-point dogs at Seattle. Your thoughts? This feels get right for Seattle after they laid two stinkers on the road in Texas. Um, Really poor offensive performances at Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin. Abilene's defense is not very good. There's very little resistance in the paint. Matt, I could see Cam Tyson going nuts here. Uh, Yeah, I, Mm -hmm. I would, I would, my number pointed towards Abilene, but with injuries and the spot, I'm kind of starting to tilt towards Seattle. I'm out on Abilene. They're they're too disappointing it, to you. It's just it's too helter skelter. Talent's not there. It's it's they foul like crazy. I don't like this team. Matt, you get another big spread. You just had one with Minnesota. Good. You get another one with Tulsa, plus sixteen on the road against Cincinnati. What's Cincinnati? Is this Houston? Huh. Eh. 
Yeah, no, but Tulsa's not not good either. Yeah, I mean it's Tulsa or nothing, but it's nothing because it's Tulsa. That's my super sophisticated <laughs> handicap there. Well said, well said. Jim, you get excuse me, had to clear my throat. You get SFA minus two at New Mexico State. Yeah, the uh, Aggies have been freaking terrible, but they did cover against Utah Valley. Your thoughts? You had me edge of my seat there. I wasn't sure what game I was getting. Um, yes. I, yeah, I think New Mexico State's kind of broken. I'm not sure how they hung in with Utah Valley. I don't think that really makes sense given the New Mexico State games historically. They are due for some regression, Matthew. Teams are making 43% of their threes against them in league play. Perhaps that drops. But I like this healthy version of Stephen F. Austin playing better. Uh, I think they can win on the road there in Las Cruces. Matt, you get Creighton and Georgetown, a Big East battle that we correctly laid off the outline. Minus 13 for the Jays on the road. Uh, I kind of want to keep riding this Creighton thing. Uh, I know it's a weird like, oh, we have to go play the worst team in the conference at a dead middle of the week spot. You could certainly see a you know Georgetown keeping it close, which they have been competitive the last few games. Chapman pointed out uh so I don't know. I'm not back in Georgetown. Every time I get seduced by Georgetown as a large dog, I just decide I'm not doing it. So I'm out. The games with Brandon Murray on the floor have been more competitive. That's yeah, he's back last two. He's yeah, back. So, all right, uh, Jim. Last one here. You get South Florida and East Carolina. East Carolina is eight point dog. In the chat, someone said it felt way too big. Your thoughts? I agree. I thought this was too many. I don't think East Carolina is like wholly incompetent. South, South Florida just had a like monster comeback only to fall just short at SMU. Um, ECU just had Winston Tabs enter the portal. I think that could be just fine. He wasn't exactly given a yeah, major boy. contributions every night. The problem is Javon Small has not come back yet, and he's ECU's best player. And that's probably a big reason why the spread is what it is. So lean towards ECU, but without Small back, hard to go all in there. That does it for the chat. Best bet time, Jim. Lead us off. Oh, I hate betting unders right now, folks, because efficiency is just up, 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 up and away. But I'm bringing it under Albany and UMass Lowell under 143. Both teams relatively slow. I mean, I feel like I kind of give the same description of my unders every show, but uh, slower in league play than they have been in the non-con. Albany's defense has been horrific in league play, particularly inside the arc. And that's the spooky part that uh, Lowell could just turn this into a layup line. But I think Tempo will be under 69 possessions. Tempo was fine yesterday with Iowa Northwestern, and unfortunately the efficiency was crazy. As long as Albany doesn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter, I think we'll be okay there. Under 143, Ken Palm has a 148, and Market has a 143. I think that tells you peak at the under. Well, here's my best bet, guys, and the chat disagrees with it, which means it's not going to hit. I'm going to give it a They just Absolutely disagreed with Kai, so we're off to an 0-2 start. <laughs> yeah, tough. Georgia Tech, minus two is my best bet. It's the shortest Louisville spread since December against Lipscomb. Louisville is 0-4 against the spread in spreads that are shorter than two or when they're a favorite. Georgia Tech's recent loss to Duke by 43 dropped them 33 spots in Kempom. That means they're undervalued, in my opinion. We have 20 other games that tells us what Georgia Tech is. They're not a good basketball team, that's for sure, but they're not as bad as they're currently ranked in analytics, in my opinion. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield is still out for Louisville. That's huge. Maybe we get Lance Terry back for Georgia Tech. I'm not sure. Regardless, their guard play way exceeds Louisville. Louisville's not going to be able to stop their dribble handoff, their ball screens. I think Georgia Tech finds a way to win this one in a short spread, minus two. 
Yeah, Lethal somehow under the radar bad recently. That's possible. Like everyone knew they were terrible, and then they've quietly just been worse and worse yep. and worse. And like no one's really talking about it. But uh, yeah, not competitive. Basically, kind of like the angle there. I like when you get into the muck of grimy of two crap teams and trying to find into the status. muck. Yes, good for you. Um, I'm going to SEC country for my best bet. I'm taking the Georgia Bulldogs catching twelve on the road at Auburn. Um, still stubbornly sticking to my fade Auburn angle. I know Georgia beat Auburn at home. Uh, to start off conference play. So, yes, there's some revenge, I guess, if you believe in that. I, I just think this is too many points for a team that has been really feisty. Their last few games, Georgia, a lot less competitive, but m- largely due to just adverse three-point shooting splits, in my opinion. I look a little closer to those box scores, um, and I still think they compete with Auburn up front. It's an older team, I think a team that travels well. Bruce Pearl said it himself in his uh, post-game press, or his pre-game preview. He's like, yeah, it's an old Georgia team. I think they kind of give me... Uh, you know, they worry me because they're older and they're they're road tested. I think that's actually a real thing, uh, not just coach. Speed. I think Georgia competes here on the road at Auburn. So that's all we got today. Ladies and gentlemen, come back and join us tomorrow. Same time as always, 12 Central, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific. Good luck tonight. Winners only, please. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com